When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we're all realizing that the quality of our air, and particularly the quality of our indoor air, is really darn important. I'm so excited to tell you about Puro Air because in 30 minutes, this device will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called a HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. I keep my Puro Air running upstairs where the bedrooms are all night. I love that it's quiet. Cleaner air just hits different, doesn't it? Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at getpuroair.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, getpuroair.com. Well, hello there, and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to a Headlines episode of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, where we discover the latest and the breaking news with regard to climate, environmental issues, etc. And it was a busy week, wasn't it? We have a lot to talk about. So let's just start with the Climate Ambition Summit in New York on Wednesday of this week. The numbers are going in the wrong direction. Greenhouse gas emissions globally continue to rise. Global temperatures, again, also continue to rise. So the numbers, they're going in the wrong direction. UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres said, quote, humanity has opened the gates of hell. The biggest emitters, U.S. and China, did not offer any new pledges at the Climate Ambition Summit. Brazil did, however. And then one country, one island nation, decided to backtrack on its pledges Wednesday. That, of course, would be the U.K., The prime minister of the UK argued that since the UK's total emissions are at less than 1% of the world's total emissions, it would be unfair to ask British citizens to sacrifice even more than they already are, especially when other countries just aren't doing their parts. In response... Barbados's prime minister, Barbados, by the way, is in a fight for its existence. As sea levels rise, Barbados may indeed disappear. The prime minister said that she's not sure that world leaders actually get it. And she also said that not doing all we can is, quote, almost a crime against humanity. Meanwhile, also in New York, last weekend, last Sunday, climate protesters marched on New York. They called for an end to fossil fuels. Tens of thousands of people filled the streets of Midtown Manhattan last Sunday to demand that world leaders quickly, quicker, (laughs) pivot away from fossil fuels because they are dangerously heating the earth. The protesters' big emotions was sharply directed at President Biden, who arrived in New York on Sunday night. Now let's recap the Biden administration's record, let's say, on climate issues. The Biden administration did shepherd the U.S. through its most ambitious climate law and is working to transition our country to renewable energy sources. But the administration has also continued to approve permits for new oil and gas drilling. And so while the protesters suggested their support for Biden in 2024, hey, guess what? We have an election coming up, right? Their support for Biden would depend on more aggressive climate action. 
It's important to remember that none of the Republican candidates running to replace him plan to cut the country's emissions. Worse than that, several want to encourage more drilling. I have to say it. The Republican frontrunner, former President Donald Trump, he does not acknowledge even that the planet is warming. Now, the fossil fuels industry, of course, it did have something to say about this protest in New York City over the weekend. Megan Blomgren, she's the vice president at the American Petroleum Institute, which, of course, represents the oil and gas industry. She said, quote, we share the urgency of confronting climate change together without delay. Yet doing so by eliminating America's energy options is the wrong approach and would leave American families and businesses beholden to unstable foreign relations for higher cost and far less reliable energy. End quote. Speaking of the fossil fuels industry, let's go now to California. The state of California has filed a sweeping climate lawsuit against ExxonMobil, Shell, BP, Chevron, and others, as well as the domestic oil industry's biggest lobby, again, the American Petroleum Institute, who Blomgren, we just heard from, she's the VP. The suit that California, the state of California filed, claims that these companies misled the public for decades about climate change and the dangers of fossil fuels. It demands the companies help fund recovery efforts related to California's extreme weather events, rising sea levels, drought, wildfires. These are expensive extreme weather events, right? Oil and gas companies are already facing dozens of lawsuits. We've covered them on previous Headlines episodes. California's case adds to their legal threats. So why now? Why are they suing these fossil fuel giants now? Well, the lawsuit comes after years of extreme weather events that have really just attacked, battered California not just the geography of California, but also the state's economy. In just the past year, California has been inundated with, let's just count off all the things that California has gone through in the past year, right? Record heat, explosive wildfires, unusual bouts of severe rain and snow. And on top of all of that craziness, a rising sea level that has threatened the state's shorelines. In the complaint... California claims that these oil and gas executives knew since at least the 1960s that greenhouse gases produced by fossil fuels would warm the planet and change the climate. According to the suit, industry-funded reports themselves directly linked fossil fuel consumption to rising global temperatures. And despite this, oil companies intentionally suppressed, kept hidden this information from the public and from policymakers. They even invested billions to cast doubt and spread disinformation on climate change. This is what the suit alleges. And even as I'm reading this out loud, my temperature is boiling. I'm so angry. The state of California further charges that the oil companies continue to deceive the public to this day about the science and the reality of climate change. The industry's investments in clean fuels and renewable energy are, quote, non-existent or minuscule in comparison to the resources that they devote to expanding fossil fuel production. And of course, these fossil fuels companies, this major lobbying American Petroleum Institute entity, they have things to say. 
Ryan Myers, who is general counsel for the American Petroleum Institute, said that climate policy should be for Congress to, quote, debate and decide, not for the court system, end quote. And a Shell spokesperson said that the company agrees climate change needs to be addressed, but it should be done collaboratively and not by legal action. As for next steps, these fossil fuel companies tried to get many of the numerous cases against them moved from state court to federal court, where they believe they will face better chances of winning. Earlier this year, the Supreme Court declined to hear an appeal on the matter, meaning the cases will stay in state court, where experts believe municipalities have a better chance of winning damages. California joining these numerous lawsuits could prove significant because, again, it is currently the largest economy to take legal action against fossil fuel giants over their efforts to deceive the world. Now, we're going to take a break in a minute, but I should say... If this interests you, if lawsuits related to climate change interest you, I have an amazing deep, and I mean deep dive, into how states can play a vital role in holding fossil fuel companies accountable. It's all about specifically green amendments. So be on the lookout for that. Again, it's about green amendments. We're going to take our sponsor break. And then when we come back, We're going to talk about a feel-good story about dogs that were once abandoned, and now they are trained to help the planet. So we need a feel-good story. I need a feel-good story. We'll get that feel-good story after a quick sponsor break. So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items, and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch They wear better than the cashmere sweaters that are double their price. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash sustainable podcast for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash sustainable podcast to get free shipping and 365 day returns. One more time, quince.com slash sustainable podcast. Hello, Sustainable Minimalist listeners. Are you committed to living a greener and simpler life? Well, meet Home Threads, your ally in more sustainable and minimalist home decor. As the total destination for decor and furniture, Home Threads helps you define your minimalist lifestyle while respecting the planet. Discover their exclusive Haven collection. They use many sustainable materials without compromising on style. And here's the best part. Home Threads always has the best value. It was time. After nine years of living in our home, it was time to replace our outdoor furniture. And my husband and I, we went to Home Threads. We have a Home Threads patio umbrella and a new bench. And oh my goodness, we are so in love. Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. 
And we're back. Before the break, we discussed this week's Climate Ambition Summit. We discussed climate protesters' march on New York over the weekend. And we discussed the state of California's lawsuit against these major oil and gas companies. Now we're on to some happier news because holy moly, do I need it. Dogs who were once stranded on the streets or sitting in shelters or abandoned are now being trained as conservation canines, which are dogs that are trained to sniff out endangered species or other important environmental clues. Now I'm going to link to a video of this happening in the show notes. Definitely check it out. The video is of dogs doing wildlife protection, and it is wonderful. So the Working Dogs for Conservation, WD4C, manages about 45 conservation canines in various countries, and most of the dogs, most of these 45 dogs, were rescued from shelters. They are looking for certain characteristics in the dogs. They need to have a high toy drive. They need to have a strong work ethic, and they need to have robust energy. The best dogs for the job are those that have a tendency to become fixated on a task and won't rest until it's completed. Each dog is paired with a human handler, and the human handler is responsible for looking after the dog, for training them, and for working alongside them in the field. So what do these dogs do exactly? Well, Tobias is a lab. He was found wandering the streets of Montana in 2016. He has a super hyper personality, which makes him perhaps unappealing as a family pet, but he was taken in by WD4C and now he spends his days sniffing out invasive mussels in Montana's Glacier National Park. Another example of a dog in the program is Tygi. Tygi was rescued by WD4C. He now lives in Zambia, where he's protecting the region's wildlife, including the pangolin, which is that scaly skinned mammal that is a threatened species. So he is collecting data in Zambia National Parks. He's protecting the wildlife. And of course, after he works, he also gets toys and treats. Now, why dogs? Why are dogs doing this conservation work? Well, dogs are uniquely positioned to collect data that helps humans track and preserve endangered species because of their amazing sense of smell, right? Dogs have millions more olfactory receptor cells than humans. While many mammals have an acute sense of smell, there is a key factor that makes dogs different. They are super quick to learn new things. If you've ever been a dog mom or a dog dad, you know this to be true. And for the most part, not only are they quick to learn new things, but they, for the most part, listen to directions from someone they trust. Dogs are trained to search for feces. Fecal matter is extremely valuable to conservationists because it offers insights into an animal's pedigree what they're related to, where they came from. It can also shed light on an animal's hormone levels and dietary patterns. If biologists want to precisely pinpoint where grizzly bears live, for instance, they can let the dogs go out and find their feces as opposed to seeing or catching a live bear, which is much more difficult and dangerous. Now, in addition to this ecological monitoring, 
The dogs at WD4C also work to combat wildlife crimes by detecting guns and ammunition and tracking poachers. They also uncover those invasive species and diseases, just like Tobias and the mussels, right? The conservation canines are helping law enforcement and field biologists, and WD4C believes that there are even more sophisticated tasks the dogs could be trained to do in the future to help the planet. So I've, again, linked to a video of the dogs doing their work in the show notes. My daughter is obsessed with dogs, my nine-year-old, so she will be watching the video with me tonight, and I so hope you watch it as well. I'll see you on Tuesday. So I know I'm going over in time, but I really do quickly want to set up next week's episodes next week on the podcast if you've made it to this part of the show you have like a sneak peek at next week's episodes next week's shows tuesday and thursday are themed we have a theme next week and the theme is difficult decisions and so the whole week is about difficult decisions that we are either making or going to have to make, perhaps, with regard to our changing climate. I'm bringing you first a roundtable discussion with two listeners of this show, hello, by the way, who have recently moved. They are climate migrators. They've moved from one place to another because of climate change. And then on Thursday, I'm speaking to two more listeners, hello again, listeners, about their decisions to either have a smaller family or have no children at all because of uncertainty about our future thanks to climate change. So difficult decisions week next week. Yes, oh my goodness, buckle up. It's going to be interesting. I'll see you then. Have an amazing weekend and take care.